Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. Oh, that was really deep. We're episode 199. And this is Orlando. <laughs> Why? I wish I had a deeper voice. I always, I always say that. Um, you know, uh, okay, you know what kills me is because you always see those things that people with deeper voice command more authority or whatever. It's true. Critical. Yeah. Is that true? Oh, yeah. So, so I should always be talking like this whenever I talk to people all the time. Yeah, I mean, it depends on on how you're trying to come off. Um, you know, do you want to have command presence all the time, or or maybe maybe that's or a late, tactical late thing. night DJ voice. That's right for negotiations. Yeah. If you ever caught, if you haven't caught our level up review about never split the difference, I I think out of all of them, that's probably one of the key ones that people should re- listen to. Yeah, and I don't even know if we did that book justice. So I would that definitely is true. Say that it. is true. Yeah. All right, so this is kind of odd because usually on a Sunday we have like an interview or we have a level up review. But on this Sunday, we're just doing part two of, what did you call this? I don't know. The problems with eBay or something like that. Now, was that a clickbaity title or was that just like... That's what we're talking about. I know. It just cracked me up because, see, I don't see the titles until Mike is done doing the editing and the uploads. And I looked at it and see, back in the day, I used to be able to edit titles. Like I would see something. I'm like, Mike, I don't know if this is going to work. And I wouldn't tell him. I would just edit. Or sometimes you would edit mine. But now that it's part of the thumbnail on YouTube, yeah. it's stuck because yeah. I don't know how to edit that. So it, it right. is what it is. So that's right. No, click a clickbait title would be like, um, "eBay's got to go" or "We're done with eBay forever" or something like that. Right? You know, okay, okay. like this is this is good because it's real. These are these are the problems, the issues that we have with eBay. eBay needs to change some things. Uh, but again, like we prefaced our last episode, that doesn't mean that we are not fans of eBay. We love eBay. We think eBay. We, I have an eBay tattoo somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I'm just so you you you've got to understand that this is coming from a place of we care about love. <laughs> we care about the the future and success of eBay because we care about the future of our own careers or jobs, right? And eBay has been a huge tool that we use and to lose that would be devastating. And so we want to see um, features implemented in eBay that would make our lives easier. And then also for eBay to kind of keep up with the times and continue to be a successful platform because there's always going to be changes. New programs and platforms are going to come around. Some may stick, some may not. Uh, But I think any good company is going to innovate and change. And you don't have to fix everything, right? There's a good saying, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, But then there's also the problem of well, it's always worked like this, so why change it? And I think a lot of companies stick with that model for far too long. And by the time they realize they need to change, it's too late. And so hopefully eBay, and we've seen eBay make a lot of moves in the right direction, but there's a few things that uh, we'd like to see. And these come from uh, our our listeners sending in things that they have problems with eBay or wish that features they wish that they could see. Uh, so if you didn't hear yours in either this episode or the previous episode, uh, go ahead and send in your yours so we can talk about them in a future episode. And again, this isn't just a complaint session, uh, but this is, you know, we want to see improvements. For yeah, sure. and we'll offer alternatives or like, you know, the the bridge between while, while we wait for that innovation to take place. Now, there is a correction from the last episode, which is a good one, because we had talked about how you can't see your managed payments on the app. Right. Right. And so I'm randomly the other day, I'm like going through my phone. I'm like, I'm looking at the app. I'm looking at this payment options. I'm like, that's odd. And then I click on payment this. options. And on there, sure enough, there's my funds. There's my available. There's my pending. There's my schedule. There's all my information. I'm like, oh, it's on there. Huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's funny. Ta-da. Shout out to Thrasilla. Uh, that's with a Z. Uh, he actually DM me a couple of these ladies. He goes, LOL, you guys probably know this already, but you can go on the app and you can find this. And I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, I did. I found that out two days ago, but it was nice to know that Thriftzilla still listens to our podcast since episode one. He was our very first hustle of the week. That's right. OG. You're an OG hustler. Hey, we're at episode 199. That's right. I mean, that's a long time. We've been been at this game for... (laughs) For a long time. For two years only, but it seems like it's been We're going on three years. We're going on three. We're going on three. So, and by the way, our special live episode celebrating our 201 episode is coming up next Sunday. It's going to be a live. But in between there on Wednesday, we actually have a pretty awesome interview with a special guest. So it's going to be good for a 200 episode. Be there. Or B Square. All right. So thank you, Thriftzilla, for winning that out. So in case you're wondering where can you check how much money is coming your way, you can just go to payment options on the app and then it'll show you there. All right. I'll let you get we have about 16. I'm not sure we're gonna get through all of these. Some of these are a little bit repeat. I try to delete ones and then we got new ones. Yeah, a couple we of away. these are a couple of these are repeats for sure. But um <laughs> either there Mike thinks they're garbage and he's like, Nope, not doing this one. Um cool. So I'm um interested on this one so automatically closing out returns uh what are you what do you mean by that so i think it's kind of a time consuming practice that whenever somebody doesn't return things right away like i have to be the one to call ebay to close out the return right so i think it's back to the five business days right and you if during covid i think they extended it's 30 Oh wait, we're still in COVID, but but anyways, yeah. The, I think there's gonna be different stages. What, what do we call this? The post-COVID stage, or no, we're not post-COVID. No, I, I'm I'm not gonna use the terms I I use for it. So all right, we'll there was well, there was pre-COVID, there was COVID, there was pandemic COVID. There was, there was the slow the spread. There was the 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 uh, flatten the curve phase. Yeah, we're past that. We're we're now we're. COVID is real unless you're celebrating something in the streets. Yeah, there you go. Right, whichever, whatever it is. Right, outside of that, uh, <laughs> it just—it's such a weird phase that we're still in a pandemic. But it doesn't. Even in California, it feels like it. It does because you see everybody with the mask. But when you're at home, you don't feel it. Like, and I'm okay with that because that was a horrendous feeling a few mm-hmm. months ago. But. COVID extended it to 30 days, and now and now it's back to five. But you have to call in the five. Like you have to call eBay and say, Hey, this person hasn't returned this, you know, can I get this return closed and they'll close it. But you know, the time that you spend, you have to talk to somebody on the phone, you have to keep track of it. I think it'd be really awesome if you could, you know, just set it up that it closes after a certain day or that eBay does it kind of like unpaid item assistant. You can set that up. If somebody is in pain that it opens up a case in two days or five days, I think the same should be done with returns because why, why am I spending time doing that? You know? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I could see that. I would see maybe the benefit of that is maybe you're dealing with somebody and it's like a, a whole process and they're like, all right, I'll, I'll do the return this day. I'm going to be gone out of town. And then, you know, that you're dealing with them. And so you're, you're expecting that it's going to take a couple of weeks longer. And if it automatically closes out, then you have to go through the hassle of restarting a return or however that would work. So maybe it makes sense. Um, but if, I would say that's probably the exception, not the rule of of a case going that long, right? Mm-hmm. Where you are are purposely extending it. So yeah, maybe if that's an option uh, to automatically close out the returns ap- after a certain point, but you also have the ability to turn that off on a specific return if it's like extenuating circumstances. And I don't mean, circumstances. And not, not to, not to inter- well, yes, to interrupt, but I'm not saying close out the return window. So the return window, like for me, is 30 days, mm-hmm. but eBay gives a return window that once you approve the return, you have five days to ship right. it back, right? That's the window I wish would just be automatic. Yeah, but what if that's what I'm saying? Like, what if they start the return and you've already talked to them and they're like, it'll be like 
the eighth day before I actually send it back to you. But then like, then it closes. Now you've got this hassle of like, wait a minute. Like I just sent it in the mail and, but it's, you closed out the return. And again, I think that would be the exception. I, I think the that's kind of like responsibility, you know, like, anyways, I can go on about turning things in on time, but it's the same thing. But like, can you imagine you know? if it, what if it's within the 30 days? Cause if I was a customer and somebody said, you have 30 days to return this. So I say, okay, I want to return this. And then five days go by and I'm like, all right, I still have two weeks before I have to return this thing. Like I, I, being lazy, I haven't gotten to it yet. And the next thing you know, it's like your opportunity is closed. Now you can't return it. It's like, it's not even 30 days yet. Like that's how I would, if I was just a customer, not, I wasn't on the seller end. Uh, okay, I would, in my, right. my mind, I would say I have 30 days to return this. So if the first day I get it, I'm like, I'm returning this thing and I start the return process. But okay. I don't so let's, it. so let's land on, cause it, that still doesn't happen. Like after 30 days, people still try to do a return, mm. right? It just should be an automatic like message that gets back to the buyer. Like, nope, it's been the 30 days. Cause I'll get messages sometimes. Like I know it'll be like day 34. Like I know it's past the, the day. Can I return this? And it'd just be nice if just an automatic, like, no mm. <laughs> would be sent out. So, all right. So we land somewhere in between, but I am a big fan of giving people like once they re request return, like give them five days. And if they don't return it in five days, then they weren't serious about the return, mm. you know? So, cause I, you know, that, that's, there's the other play at that. Like if you make it too long, then people go, yeah, you know what? Actually, I do want to return this now, right? I think there just needs to be a set limit. Kind of like with somebody had mentioned on here, we'll, we'll jump into this one, where, you know, when you send offers, right? To When you send offers to watchers, likers, whatever you call it on eBay, like you can't do anything with that. It's like locked in. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice if you had leeway to change stuff or like cancel the offer. You get what I'm saying? Like you can, you can, the only way you can cancel an offer that you send is by, I think it's by, I don't know if I can retract offers anymore. I think I have to like end the item and then relist it. Mm. But the reason I say that is because. Can you end an item that has an offer out? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Luckily they don't ding you. Back in the day, you used to get, I think, dinged if like you ended an item. Hmm. So, but I think that was during the time of auctions when like that was the only way. But the reason I say is this. So what happens is sometimes I'll go on vacation and I send an offer out. And then I'm trying to change my shipping, like to, you know, extend it over three, four, five days. And I can't do it because the offer's already out. So what ends up happening on eBay side is it creates a whole new shipping policy. And it says copy whatever I titled it. And so now I have a problem because I can't change the offers unless I end my item. Hmm. Right. I mean, have you run into that at all? Um, I, I don't really. Maybe a couple of times. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And there's been times where like we've sent offers out and then we're about to go on vacation. And so we want to change the, the handling time and can't do it because yeah. there's an offer on an item or, um, yeah, other things. I just like wish that. there was an easy way. I mean, especially if it knows, like, I, I know eBay is doing a better job about vacation mode and yeah. the options you have or item specifics. And maybe that's what you were just talking about. Same thing. Like we we're fixing items. Oh, specifics. that's true. You're right. Yeah. We were fixing item specifics on items and we got all but like 16 done because they had open offers out. And it's like, well, yeah, and you just have to wait. Yeah. I just want to add the word green in, in a box. I can't do that. Like you're seriously telling me I can't add more detail. Oh, well, no, that, that happened. So this summer when I was traveling a lot, I'd always come back home and I was trying to do my same day shipping again, you know, to get those sales rolling. And I had to wait like for 10 offers and I had to wait for another 10 offers. And so I can't even send offers, even though it's, 
or when I know I'm going to go on vacation, if I have send offers available, I won't send them because I know the moment I send them, I can't adjust my handling on those. So it'd be nice if we could automate. I, I'm hoping eBay hears that one because I think that's an easy fix. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know about the tech side. All right. I think our first couple were kind of, eh. Well, <laughs> what else you got here? Um, okay. This is a big one. I'm just going to jump to this one because I, right. I like it. And I, I don't know if this is the only answer. And we've talked about this at length on other episodes, but oh, I know. Uh, so going this one this. is no insertion fees. And again, I think, I don't know if it's the no insertion fee should be the answer, but I think that that eBay, eBay is pulling too many places, right? There's too many nickels and dimes of like, you have to pay for a store subscription and then you have to also pay a final value fee. And then you also have to pay an insertion fee if you go over the number and you're like, they, they need to limit the number of fees. There should just be maybe, and again, I don't know, there's probably a hundred different options, alternatives that they can do. Obviously they extended out and gave us tons of free listings for a while, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe they they change it to, if you're at a certain store level, instead of like, you just get this much, like you get whatever the benefits of the store are, and then you have basically that unlimited listings. Or you pay the final value fees, but you don't have insertion fees. And I get the main thing that people have said in our comments that that kind of disagree will say, well, um, the two well, the two arguments to make is it's still less than having overhead of a building, a brick and mortar. Okay, true. It's it's it is less. But that's not like an argument. Right. I mean, that's just a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, but then the other thing that people say is okay, but if if there was no insertion fees, people would be listing, uh, companies would be They'd listing be flooded with Chinese just, products. Yeah, and just all putting this tons stuff. of junk yeah. on onto the the site. And I guess I, I see the value to that. But if their algorithm is good enough where it's not pushing people to stores that don't have sell-through rate. If, if a store lists 10,000 things and none of those things are valuable and selling and they're all disjunct, then is it really going to like, I don't know, just don't push people to those stores or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't see other platforms having this problem. And yeah, there's a lot of junk on things, but I'm always a fan of like more, like just more stuff. And people are going to look at things like, like, uh, how many cells? I always do that when I'm looking to buy something is, oh, this person's Especially only if got, it's new. Yeah. This person only has 13 sales. Yeah. M might not be buying from them. Oh, this person has 860 positive reviews. Yeah. I'll probably buy from them. So I don't know how negative that would be. I can't imagine there just being a flood of, of stuff, especially if there's still a store. Like maybe you don't, you only get like the beginner, however many it is, like 20 free listings or you pay for a store, you pay the hundred or two hundred dollars that that you're paying a month for a store, and you just don't have to pay insertion fees, right? Like that just seems like double overkill. And then the nickel and dime on all these other things, I don't know. It just it seems like they're 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 taxing you up front and at the end. And it would just be nice if it was just once. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And you're right. I Amazon doesn't do that at all. Mm -hmm. Amazon is you do pay your forty a month, and then it's when the item sells, they take out. Now there's other fees, but Usually the other fees aren't related to you selling the item. Like if you do FBA, you have a warehouse fee, you have all these, you know, different kind of fees for, you know, they ship it out for you and all that. But, but you're not if, charged on Merchant Fulfilled, right? Like to listen. No, item. Merchant Fulfilled is they take their fees, but it's just a one-time fee at the end. Yeah. Like it just, it, it, it feels a little different. Like I do feel the nickel and dime, like 10 cents an item. Like I'm just like, what, why? You know, like, and then on top of that, I do promote listings. Yeah, promote it. Now, the the fix on, and now I think we got away from this in the earlier part of the podcast because I also wanted to offer an alternative. And somebody had shared with me about how if they have, I, I don't know, you know, if this is untrue, let us know in the comments. But let's say you had, let's say your limit was at 300, right? I don't know if there's any limit like there, but it's 300 and then you have to pay insertion fees after that. 
if you have one item and you're trying to sell a hundred of them and you list that one item and there's a hundred of them in your list, like in your listing, it, t- it takes out the hundred out of the 300. So what they suggested is just do it one at a time or do 10 at a time. And then as you sell, replenish that. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. The right. other thing that I was thinking could be a, a, a solution and, and you're giving like a solution, like a way to mitigate it. And I think that's a practical tip. But another suggestion that eBay might take on this is if sell-through rate is important, and it is, then make the stores instead of you have so many listings per month, because that's kind of an arbitrary thing. Because if you're a store, let's say you sell through everything. Let's say you have um, at any given time, 100 active listings, but you're selling 500 items per month, right? Because you're just selling. You got a really fast sell-through rate. As soon as you're getting stuff in, it's going out eBay is obviously getting a ton of money on those final value fees. So the stores should just be like active, total active listings you can have available. And you pay like, you want 100 active listings, you pay X amount. If you want 500 active listings, you pay X amount. And then there's no insertion fees. So as long as you're getting that sell-through rate of, you know, you might be making 700 listings in a month, but your store never has more than 500 active listings because that sell-through, you're not paying insertion fees on the extra stuff because it's selling through, right? Where if... And then maybe you can have a fee if it goes over that. But to me, that just seems right because to, to have, a, um, you pay for a total number of listings, but if you're selling through a bunch, you're almost getting penalized because now oh, you no, have to I pay agree. extra listings or buy a higher store. But well, that it, was the next thing I was going to say. You're right. Great mind. So I'm joking. Okay. Keep going though. Keep going. No, I mean, that's just what I think is like that to me might be a solution is you pay for total number of active listings in a store. Um, that's basically your store subscription. So instead of saying you get 350 um, listings per month and you're paying for that and anything over that you pay, well, if you've got 350 items in your store, but you've sold 30 things and you've added another 30 things, you're now paying for those 30 things over top, but you've never went over that number you had available. So I don't know, that, that just might be an option is you just pay for basically how much shelf space are you taking on eBay? And if you go above that, then you pay more, you get a higher store. Um, and maybe you make the stores more incremental. Like you, you there's certain levels like 100, 200, 250, 300, 350. So it's not that like huge jump because there's that weird, awkward phase where you're, okay, so that's another thing you're we paying a ton in, in insertion fees, but it's not quite enough to go up to that next store level. It's between premium and anchor. Oh. There, there, there's no in between, right? So, I mean, even right now, I'm still, I'm, in, I'm at about 2,300. I, I still can't get to 2,500, but I'm at the 2,300 you know, Mark, and it's still not worth it to me to go pay the 300 a month to get anchor store, but I still get a a decent bill. Right. And then if I add that with promoted listings and whatever else, I'm paying a decent amount of change for, you know, listing my items. Now we actually have that in our notes. Number eight reward system for sell through listing rate. Mm. Like, I, I think that'd be great. I mean, that wouldn't, that would motivate people to sell more. It's, it's very similar. Like Amazon right now, one of the things I was anti, and now I'm kind of, I'm seeing it. And so Amazon and FBA, they put inventory levels. So you, and they do this across the board. So you can't send in more items until a certain amount of those items have already sold. So right now, for example, I have an item that have, I have 200. Okay. 200. That's my limit. I sent in 200 in the beginning of, I think it was beginning of October and it was selling hot. I sold like about 40 in three or four days. And then all these people got listing, the price started dropping. Then I'm like, ah, I don't want to sell for that little profit. I'm going to wait because I know Q4 is going to pick up a little bit. But here's the thing. I could wait too long and I don't sell any of that. Right. And at the same time, I didn't mention this other part. I have 300 of those items. I'm still waiting to ship in. 
until they're just sitting. Now, I didn't send them into the warehouse because I don't want to pay the you know storage fees for the Amazon warehouse. So they're sitting at my place. But I know that I'm not going to ever be able to send more until that inventory level goes down in the warehouse. And then I can send more. And it could be the same thing. Like, hey, we'll give you more free listings on eBay if you keep selling these items to keep that sell through rate, to keep that velocity going. And it helps, right? Amazon, right? As much as, you know, I can be upset about that, that makes me want to sell more because I can't send it in more inventory. And so it makes me a smarter seller because I understand like, hey, if I don't sell these at a certain point, I'm going to just lose ultimate profit because they're not going to sell at all. Instead, it makes me sell through, sell through, sell through, sell through. And then I go buy more and I send in more. And the same thing with eBay. Sell, 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 sell. Free listings, list, list, list. Keep selling, list, list, list. And eBay gets its fees. I get profit in the bank. It, it works hand in hand. So, yeah. I don't know. I like, <laughs> I like that one. So, all right. Um, let me let me see if I can pick this one. Uh, okay. This one, this one was one that I, I just, I still am at a loss about how we can't resolve this. So the very last one. I think there should be an algorithm or there should be a way that eBay catches okay, when you are listing something that is Vero, verified owner's rights program. So meaning that right now eBay has been hitting hard some sellers. I mean, you've been seeing this. I think this happened uh, to uh, Harry Tornado. This happened to other individuals, the YouTubers, you can watch their videos where they had one item that was or two items that were listed. They got Vero'd and the store got suspended. Mm. Right. Where I know sometimes like I've listed some stuff and right before I hit submit, it'll tell me, you know, does this fall the forestry act or what? I don't know. It tells me something and it gives me a heads up. But there's other things like I have plenty of items. I'm I shouldn't even say this. Watch my listings get pulled or I guess suspended. But I have a lot of items that say Velcro in them, hmm. but it doesn't catch it. Right. But then all it takes is one time. Right. For eBay to catch Velcro. And I could be suspended. It seems weird though that they would suspend. I mean, maybe if it was multiple or if you refuse to to change it. But we we bought a um an automatic paper towel dispenser, right? It was open boxed, um, like a display unit. So we weren't selling it as new. We we're selling it as open box, and um, we put the brand name of this paper towel dispenser, and it got pulled. We got vero on it, and told that we couldn't use it because the owner and it's like well what do you it doesn't seem right like you should be able to sell whatever you want to sell like i'm not selling i'm not like a uh trying to become a uh, a dealer selling hundreds of these like i have one it's my own i want to sell it right like brawny coming after you <laughs> wasn't brawny, but, but yeah i mean it, it just seems kind of strange like that, that that they could do that and i'm i we just got a warning right like they did they just took the listing down like you can't sell this item so okay, I, and I can't I've only gotten those. I've never been suspended, but there's yeah. some people that have gotten suspended. So either we don't know the whole story, yeah, or maybe it. I don't know. I don't know how I, the things we don't know how people are chosen. Yeah, kinda some like, are chosen. It's kind of like where the aliens in in the in the you know being picked up by the crane claw. claw like you have been chosen. Like you never know like when you're chosen. But I really wish like it would highlight or something like if I'm typing in onesie, it'll come up in red. Mm. Like, don't use this word, right? Because it does catch, like, if you use a repeat word or if your listing is worded the same as another listing, like, it'll catch that. It'd be nice with Vero. The problem with Vero is, you know, they have a list. And if you've gone to the Vero list, have you ever gone to the Vero list? Yeah, it's super long. 
it's super long and then there's some items that are totally fine yeah right within there and so we i think we had this discussion on the podcast like episode yeah. one i don't know, throw out there 134 <laughs> i don't know what episode it was 136 <laughs> who knows or maybe in between but you just you just don't know and it'd be nice to catch because you know i i really i'm never looking forward to the day i don't think it'll ever happen i just checked if i had velcro i don't have any velcro i think i have it in my description mm. right and i don't think the algorithm catches the description but it'd be nice if there's just a way that we could identify things in an easier way because the other way of saying hey go to this website like <laughs> Who's going to go to a website before they list anything? Here's one of the reasons I would be against this. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be nice, especially if you're going to be suspended, it would be nice to know up front, like, hey, I wasn't doing anything malicious. You should have warned me that I couldn't put that word or that brand name in there. However, for the algorithm to be able to catch this, it would have to scan every single listing prior to scanning or prior to listing, which would probably slow down every listing significantly. Mm. Okay. Right. And if it took an extra 10 seconds for every listing, an extra 30 seconds for every listing to go active and you're sitting there waiting for it to like checking your listing, I think that would be a nightmare. Okay. It, that wouldn't be worth the the benefit. Uh, if, if it was just instantaneous, sure, I think that might be helpful. But at the same time, if they're not catching stuff, Right, like we talked about the uh, the the CPAP machines, right? I ended up just tossing out that one I had. I didn't want to deal with trying to sell it, but yeah, I see a ton of people who sell them. You're you're not supposed to sell them on eBay, but some people do, and they get away with it. And I think there's probably been a handful of things that I've sold that maybe I wasn't supposed to, but I didn't know. And I, you know, I don't have a guilty conscience, you know. But if if even if it was like 0.5 percent of the items you list were auto, sorry, you can't list this. Like, man, that probably would have gone through if they weren't checking. You know, so so you might even feel like, you know, you want to be able to slide a few in. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do anything malicious, but like if something goes through and I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to use a brand name or use the term Velcro and it went through like, hey, I'm, I'm I wonder happy if we should just have an episode. We just bring in all the bad, bad words of eBay. These words, you can't bleep say these uh, on, on your listening or we'll something. Just fingerling the whole episode. I know, I know, I know. Oh, that's right. When he censored me. All right. Those of you that listen to the podcast, you have, have, you know what he's talking about. Those of you that don't, you have no idea what we're talking about right now. So, all right. Uh, I thought this was an interesting one. So number 10, I am reading these off our notes. So somebody had said, whenever USPS raises rates, Ugh, they just did. And they just did, which... It's not a problem if you have calculated shipping, right? But it is a problem if you have flat rate shipping, yep. if you have free shipping. Yep. Somebody had mentioned it'd be nice if like all our listings would automatically be adjusted. So if you have free shipping, it would automatically just add 25 cents to shipping because your package is going to cost 25 cents more. Correct. Can you imagine that? So instead of saying free shipping, it's 25 cents shipping due no, to no, post no, office. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. I did not catch what you're saying. Yeah, No, no, that wouldn't work. But it'd be it would be nice if you know for instance like right now I think it's uh I think flat rate has gone up medium flat rate it was twelve eighty and now I think I could be wrong I think it's thirteen twenty five or something like that like it'd be nice so right now I'm still charging eleven ninety nine I do that on purpose because I'm trying to undercut competition but let's say you know I really wanted to raise it it'd be nice if just all of those went from eleven ninety nine. And just whatever, if let's say it was 30 cents, they all went to 1229 automatically without me having to go in there. 
right? I don't know. I, I like that idea. I think that with the free shipping, or maybe with the free shipping, <laughs> this would be kind of crazy. All your items go up by 30 cents. That would make for some interesting prices. Yeah, you'd have they'd have to set that as an option because yeah, if you're if you're setting your item to fourteen ninety nine because you're trying to like you know psychologically get the people like it's only fourteen dollars or nineteen ninety nine and they're just thinking like oh it's not even twenty bucks and all of a sudden it goes up to fifteen twenty nine twenty twenty eighty three it'd be like what a weird price and you lose that. Yeah, but that some would... people do that though. They do that to separate themselves or make it think like. Kind of, and uh, I never split the difference where you use a real number, right? So mm. people are like, this person, this seller really listed this and really thought about this. This item is $45 and 63 cents. Let Wait. us know in the comments. Is there, do any of you do that? Or do you all go the 99? Or do you do just, you don't even do the 99? Round numbers. Do you do 99? Or do you round numbers? Man, I feel like my listings are all over the place. Sometimes sometimes I do round numbers. Occasionally, I think my wife does more round numbers than I do. I, I tend to do... Um, I think more like the 99s. I don't know. It, we're just all over the place. I, I think we kind of look at like what sold. And I think that plays a role in what we decided for like, hey, this sold for $49.99. I'm going to list this for $49.99. But if I sell it sold for $55, I might list it for $55, right? So, and I know you always list a little higher, but um, whatever that was before, like I think that kind of plays a little bit of a role in my head of I can list it for this much, you know? I will say the only time I go around the numbers, I want to confess this is when I'm trying to sell it for the gram. Mm. So I know this is going to be a good sale that I can post on our Instagram. So I try to get it. So it's just a like instead of $99.99, it sounds better when it's like I paid a dollar and I sold it for a hundred. Mm. Then I paid a dollar and I sold it for $99.99. That still sounds good. Yeah. But it doesn't sound as good as a hundred. Yeah. As you, a Benjamin. You, you didn't get the whole Benjamin on you that. You didn't get the whole Benjamin. Anyways, it's not confession time. But I don't know. Hey, by the way, as we're having this conversation, if things come up, let us know below or let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you think we're crazy. We're okay with that. Yeah, we're crazy. Or you could be kind too. That kind, kind, kindness. Yeah, we is like nice. kindness. Actually, we do have some of the kindest commenters. Honestly, I mean, we had we had a we had an individual for a little bit. Yeah, we got <laughs> haters, but you know, if you don't got no haters, you're not doing something right. Oh that's, man, that's, that's, that's not. Thank you, Puff. But I'm not, is that Puff Daddy? I don't. Know. I, I can't remember who that was. All right. Hey, anyways, we're gonna keep moving on with this episode. But before we do, I want to talk about some, some social media. If you haven't had a chance yet, before we talk about social media, we haven't been talking about this at the beginning of our, of our episodes lately. Oh man. Back. So, hey, by the way. We do have buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. It's a way that you can do a membership to continuing to support the podcast so we could do more. We're hoping that we get a certain number that when the new year hits, we can have more opportunities uh, to create more content. So for just $5 a month, which is less than probably a cup of coffee in most parts of the country outside of 7-Eleven, you can support us, which is really easy. And if you think about it per episode, that's less than a dollar, right? If we do eight episodes, you do the math. I mean, what is that? 60 to 70 cents an episode. That's not very much. So we really would love it if you jump on and do that membership. Also appreciate a one-time gift. Again, look below. There's a link. There's a link in our bio. There's actually an overlay on this screen on YouTube. It's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Now on social media, if you enjoy seeing more content, we do you know put stuff on there all the time. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter um, on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. We are pure hustle podcast on Twitter. We are pure. So cast. You can also give us a call 619-738-1170 That's 619-738-1170 or shoot us an email at pure podcast at gmail.com. That's pure podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're watching us, 
continue to watch us. And if you haven't hit that bell notification, please hit that bell notification. Bing. And if you've been listening to us, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're at like 4140 subscribers. So I'd love to be at 5K by the end of the year. That'd be great. 10K would be awesome too, but I'm going to go for 5K. Yeah, 100K would be amazing. And if we can get to a million subscribers <laughs> by the end of the year, we're at a million. I'd be happy. Are we even reselling anymore? Yeah, probably not. Okay. So, but we would still bring that content. That's right. So, all right. And, uh, Hey, thanks so much for all the iTunes review. I think we should read one. We haven't read one in a while. It's been, it's been a, it's been a minute. So hopefully when I pull this up, it doesn't pull up any music or, or any craziness. Cause anytime, anytime I pull this up, like something turns on or some noise happens. So on iTunes review, you can leave us a, a review, which really helps us in the algorithm. Uh, we're at 352 reviews. So, Hey, 400 by 400 by the new year. Okay, so the latest one, it comes from Amber underscore S, E-S-S. -S. And Amber says, I love listening and learning every week. I'm a former educator, too. Did we read this before? I don't know. Maybe. We get those a lot, though. Yeah. We appreciate all you educators. Seriously. Especially when you tell us that we're doing a good job. Makes me feel good because it's, sometimes I wonder. And I notice a lot of those skills come through in what you guys are doing on this show. Thanks. So thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate so appreciate it, Amber. So... So hit us up. And we also have t-shirts for sale. As always, we have a, you know, great Christmas gifts for yeah. the, even if they don't listen to the, the podcast. the hustler in your life. There you go. So, hey, thank you so much again. If you want to help us out financially, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Yeah. All right. Do we want to do hustle of the week or do we want to keep moving on this list? What do you want to do right now? Um, Where are you? I'm, I'm good either way. All right. Let's, uh, let's do like one more and then jump into... Our hustles of the week. Oh, well, let's just do a hustle of the week right now. Then. <laughs> what? I just asked you. You're well, like, whatever. I, I thought you were saying, like, do you want to skip hustle of the week this week? No. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. No way. We, can. we got some legit hustles here. All right. Well, Come here we on, go. hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. So our first one comes from Josh. Uh, IG handle at flip underscore four underscore them. Uh, so Josh's wife is a serious Disneyaholic. That's a thing. Is there uh, another name for that? Uh, I don't, I'm sure okay. there is. Right. I don't know. I'm assuming she like has the badge and the lanyard with the buttons, like collecting the buttons uh, at Disneyland. Um, Cause that's, that's, that's how you know you're, you're let, let us, let us know Josh uh, in the comments. I'm sure. All right. So uh, they were doing some research on Americana. <laughs> is that, is that, is that correct? Oh, my typo. It's Mercari, but I don't even know. America. <laughs> Maracia. Uh, Mercari. Uh, and came across a Loungefly limited edition, one of 600 Little Mermaid backpack. It's my wife's favorite Disney movie. Sniped it for $112 on Mercari and sold it on eBay for $900. That's a pretty amazing flip. And you're going from uh, platform to platform, so... Uh, that that's not only a hustle but a tip of the week too. So don't be afraid of sourcing stuff on other platforms, especially if you know, right? Like so, Josh said his wife knows Disney. So when you see something, you're more likely to recognize. So stay in your lane, right? We talked about that before too. If you know a niche well, look for those things on multiple platforms, and you'll be surprised. You can often, like they said, snipe things or source things, and then sell them for more on eBay. So there you go. And by the way, Loungefly is a bolo, but it's a careful bolo. What I mean is there's some Loungefly stuff. Like this one is a limited edition that they found and it's money. I've sold Loungefly stuff for good money too. 
But there's some lounge fly stuff that is like there's a lot of them out there. So you just make sure you do research. But uh, Josh and your incredible wife, that is uh, that's a that's a nice hustle of the week. All right. So mine comes from Merlin. M-E-R-L-A-N-N-I-G handle at moving on the bay with an E on Instagram. So has been listening to our content uh, and came across some Harley stuff. And, you know, I've been sharing lately that it's not only Harley apparel that sells well and that there's plenty of opportunity when it comes to motorcycle seats, which that's a new one for me. That's only been within the last six months that I've actually been picking those up. Actually, I actually have two. I still have to list. Mm. But they're good money. So decided to, you know, get out of the comfort zone. Picked up a Milsco for Harley-Davidson Road King Classic Seat for $20 at a garage sale. Listed high with best offer. And sold for full price at $149.99 plus shipping. Nice. So I love that. I I love it when we're able to share content and it comes through and it helps. Because sometimes I'm like, well, hopefully one day in their lifetime they'll find what we're talking about. But you know, you're not, you know, you're not the only one to find this, but this was great because you did everything right. Even, even the pictures were a fantastic pictures sell a lot. So it's on IG handle moving on the bay with an E. Uh, thank you so much Merlin for that. I hope I said your name, right? Merlin, right? It's not Merlin. I don't know. All right. But you are awesome. Thank you for allowing us to share that hustle of the week. All right. So our next one comes from Kyle IG handle at the ride ride. L. So the, is it, this is like his uh, fifth hustle of the week or something. Oh man, we, we he's a bobblehead some, guy. We got to get some more people on here. No, 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 we we do. But here's the problem lately: we've been suppressed. Oh man, are, are, we, being, are we being censored on social media? <laughs> so all hashtags, Not all hashtags, all hashtags have been blocked. Which I think it's. I think it's kind of funny that like why why hustle of the week <clears throat> like why I'm sure we have we have uh, you know algorithms that can selectively like I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we're not putting anything fake on hustle of the week <laughs> and especially because it's not us it's our listeners and our listeners would never do anything fake so this is what I got like this is what happened so I was trying to find some awesome hustle of the week because we all use a hashtag so I go to Instagram and it says and I'm sure all of you know this. Recent posts from all hashtags are temporarily hidden to help prevent the spread of possible false information and harmful content related to the election. So who knew that the fact that we flip stuff for good money could alter the elections? You know, I'm going to say I want my free speech and I want to be able to talk about hustle. Hustle of the week. So that, that, but it's not only that I really like what Kyle had to share. So Kyle, we're not just, this isn't just like after the fact, I actually thought it was a legit one that we should share. That's right. All right, go for it, Mike. So came across an SRA reading laboratory 2C multi-level learning homeschool kit for grades four through six for $9.99 and sold it on eBay for $325. Man, homeschooling stuff, we talked about this as a bolo a while back, especially when the, uh, the start of, of COVID happened. The lockdowns. Yeah. Um, Honestly, more and more families are doing homeschool. Like it is, it is incredible how many families are moving towards homeschool. I actually see it as a very positive thing. I think it's good for families. I think it's good for kids. Um, but a lot of parents are looking now for good curriculum and it's expensive. Curriculum and homeschool stuff can be very costly. Uh, so when people can go on eBay and get it for a fraction of the price that they would be buying it new, um, it's great. And the great thing too, with a lot of that homeschool stuff 
is you might be able to look up. I mean, I passed on a few things back before the the, the pandemic started um, that I was like, ah. Oh. In fact, there was one lady selling like literally just like her entire collection of curriculum. Most of it had, had barely been used. And I just passed on it. because like, I don't know if I want to spend like $400 right now on this stuff. I probably oh, could have made like two or three grand off of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you if you can find homeschool stuff, um, definitely do that. And then another thing too is knowing that homeschooling is becoming more and more popular. Uh, my wife just showed me recently um, some homeschool um, like worksheets and stuff like that, like curriculum that people were making on their own and they were making it really artsy and cool and like boho style and selling it on the internet for quite a bit of money. And they're just making these worksheets themselves. So, you know, if you're a hustler and maybe this is something, maybe you're, you're a, a stay at home mom hustling. Why, why, why aren't we doing this? That's what I'm thinking. Like I might, I <laughs> might start, educators. I might start making them. So that's what I told her. I said, well, those are really like cute worksheets, which I know that's why a lot of people are buying them. Mike can make cute worksheets. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like, man, I kind of want to go the other end. Like I want to like, these are, these are cute worksheets, but I want to make some like some, some like manly worksheets. So like, you know, cause there's, there's going to be some, some young boys getting homeschooled that don't want like flowery worksheets. They want some that have like cool, like, you know, just like they look manly, you know? So like there's a niche for everything. All I'm saying is if you're a hustler, you can find a way to make money on the internet. And right now, uh, homeschooling curriculum and homeschooling materials are very, very uh, profitable. So it's a bolo for sure. And a great hustle of the week here. Uh, but there might be other hustling opportunities if you think outside. And by the, the and by the way, you know, right now if you're looking at what's going on in the world, there's lockdowns. There, England just went into full lockdown. Italy's going into lockdown, right? And if you remember the pandemic that when it first hit, we were like two or three weeks behind Europe, right? Because we weren't hit that hard with the pandemic, and we ended up in lockdown. So it's very possible, right? And we also have this, these political things happening where the current president elect right may be moving towards lockdown and so if that all goes down all this homeschooling stuff is going to skyrocket because overall we've all experienced right the fact that hey it's it's tough well all of us have kids that have to educate at home it's tough to educate at home and so if you can find these tools that make it easier some people are willing to pay a premium for that so it may be i mean it's right now but i mean uh, Kyle just sold this, the Rydell, T-H-E-R-I-D-E-Y-L on Instagram, just sold this in the last month. Yeah. And we're not even like on lockdown. Yeah. And be thinking about that too. Like, I mean, every area is going to be different. So it's going to be regional specific. But it looks like California or San Diego is we're about- almost back to red. Yeah. No, purple. So we're in red right now, but we're- Oh, sorry. We're, yeah, my bad. Purple yeah. is the worst one. Wait, can you explain that? Because now everybody's from California. Yeah. So, so we have tiers of, of like stages of reopening and uh, a lot of California has been in purple, which is like the worst tier you can be in. Uh, but San Diego for a while has been in the red, which means you can go indoor dining. Uh, there's still limited capacity. You can go to gyms. Like the businesses are open, just like limited capacity. If we move back to the purple, which it looks like we probably will come Tuesday- um, gym shut down again, restaurant shut down again. So just think about that in your area. How can you, how can you capitalize on that? Like i still have some weights that I, I was thinking about that. Is that going to come back? Yeah. I wasn't willing to drop the prices as much because it looked like places were starting to get in stock again. Gyms are open. So the demand wasn't there. And I still have some stuff that I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to let it move that fast. Cause I have a feeling gyms are going to shut down again before the end of the year. And people are going to buy stuff out again and there's going to be a shortage. Maybe there won't be a shortage. Maybe there's going to be a surplus of stuff. But if that's the case, then then gym equipment is going to drop in price so low that I might just pick a bunch of it up. So either way, I'm going to win. 
Um, but think about that. What are some things that last time you're like, man, if I would have known we were going into a lockdown, I would have bought this, 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 and this to sell because it may be coming again. It may be something that we're going to be facing here in the near future in San Diego and maybe wherever you're at. Uh, and like Orlando is saying, it could be a national thing for a while. We don't know. So um, just always plan for the possibilities. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. Everything's all coming together. But if there's one thing we learned through the pandemic is that we as resellers are resilient. We can definitely make it happen. I mean, seriously, I remember actually I was going through our episodes and I, I remember one of the episodes was like selling through a pandemic. And that seems like so long ago. But that was just a few months ago. And we may be there again. And by the way, it's Q4, in case you're wondering right now. Yeah, Q4. Q4. All right. Our hustle of the week. What's your hustle of the week? Uh, so remember a while back, I talked about picking up those uh, Wi-Fi extenders. Oh, yeah. I got two boxes of them. Um, there's two in each. And they're used, but they're in really good condition. They had the boxes, had the manuals, had the cords, had everything. Um, and The garage sale? Got a garage sale. And... They were $5 each. So I paid $10. I finally listed them. I don't know what took me so long. I guess I was like, I didn't want to test them. I thought it was going to be a, a hassle to like set them up to my Wi-Fi and then move them around and see, can I connect? And I had to like download a separate app and register this. Like it was like a whole thing just to see if they would work. Um, and finally I was like, you know, I'm just going to spend the time to do it because these are, they sell for a lot of money within a few days. I think it was like by the third day of them both being listed, the first day one of them sold. And by the third day, the second one sold both both sets sold for $250 to nice. $5 plus shipping. So I, off $10, made over $500. And I'm like, man, I've just been sitting on that. Now, is that the worst? Now, fingers crossed, whenever I have big sales like that, I always wait like a month before I celebrate. Even, even you know, I, I sold that Montclair jacket, right? Where it's like, oh man, like, is this oh, yeah. going to be a problem, you know? So I'm I'm just, fingers crossed, that they're not going to get it and say like, hey, like I was able to get them turned on and, and whatever, but there's like a password because I don't know who I bought them from. And if there's like, once after a certain amount of time, they have to like reconnect to the system and then check the passwords. I don't know. I'm hope, I, I, I don't think so. I'm like 95% sure I'm going to be in the clear. But anytime I have big sales like this, especially on electronics, there's always that little piece of me that's like, and are they going to end up saying like, this doesn't work or there's a problem or, or, you know, there was a software update that it needs some number that came with the original, you know, box set, but I don't have it, you know, I don't know. So fingers crossed that I don't have a problem with it, but if everything goes well, that's like a, a basically a $500 profit. So I am very happy with that. Yeah. I, I, I understand the feeling of returns. Like, I, I, I don't know if I shared this, but I had like a thousand dollar returns a week ago or so. Ouch. And it, and you know, I'm used to returns, but it rocks you a little bit. Now, two of the items sold as far as right when I got them back, I just relisted and they sold the third one. Yeah, I'm still out the $300, but Oof. it is what it is. All right. So my hustle week is a, I, I've shared the story of sourcing this. I don't know if I shared it to completion. So I was at an estate sale, not this summer, but last summer, right? I, all my months are like mixed. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it was last summer. Yeah. It was sometime after eBay open. It was eBay open last year. I don't even know anymore. Year before last year. I don't know. Last year. Last year. Last year. Last year. Yeah. Because the podcast was around at least for a year. It yeah. would be, I mean, it would have been awesome if we got invited to speak at eBay open after being around for only two weeks, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. So, so went to the estate sale and here's the thing, what I'm finding with the estate sales and, and a lot of you know this to be true. You may show up 
And it could be 10 in the morning, but there's still items that people miss that you're not thinking of. And I, I'll never forget this. And this, actually, I might share this on an Instagram post in the future. But I came across this hat. It was, uh, I'm going to say this terrible, the uh, Kunichi Dragons. Chunichi Dragons. Uh, they're a Japanese baseball team. But when I first listed it, that's all I listed. I listed that it was a vintage you know, Chunichi Dragons match snapback blue hat. That was a Japanese baseball team. And it was, it was vintage. I mean, it was, it, you know, based on, based on, you know, the wear on it, based on the writing that was on it, based on comparison to other hats that I found online, it was vintage. So I sold it the first go around and I sold it for 50 bucks. And then they said it was too small and somebody returned it. I'm like, oh, it's the worst, you know? But then one of my good friends that, you know, I went to college with, and he's also former, he's not former, he's still a school administrator. He, he actually messaged me on Instagram. He goes, Orlando, don't you remember that, that movie, Mr. Baseball? Do you ever remember that movie with Tom Selleck? You're probably too young for that. So early nineties, Tom Selleck's in this baseball movie where he goes to Japan and he plays baseball out there and it's one of those teams. And so I use that keyword in my listing when I relisted it, but here's the problem. What do you do with returns when you get them back, Mike? Do you usually like list them and like put them back where they were stored before? Um, well, I don't know. It depends. Sometimes or do I do you I just leave... kick it around. You're like, whatever. No, it goes back. But depending on what the item is, I'll open it up to make sure it's still good. But if I packed it really well, sometimes I'll just leave it in the box that it was packed in. That way I don't have to repack. Okay, it. So maybe it's just me. I'm just irresponsible. But sometimes when I get returns, I'm so annoyed. I won't even put it back. I'll just like. I'll just toss it wherever my storage unit. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> you can't be mad at the item. So you can see just so, throwing it like you dumb item for being returned. So this had sold, and I was like, "Sweet, it sold!" And it sold for eighty five dollars, right? And by the way, I only paid a dollar for this hat, so it sold for eighty five dollars. And I probably have, I want to say, about three hundred hats. And I have, they're all organized by box, not by box, but by like, you know, those totes that you can put under a bed. Mm -hmm. They're in those. So I have like four or five of those and I have them, but this one was not under my custom skew label. I'm like, oh no. And then I'm trying to remember what I did with this hat. Luckily, I still have some kind of a memory, but I threw it in between some shelves and between some random Q4 toys in a poly bag that it was returned in. And after one, one and a half hours of searching, I found it. Nice. But the reason I say is this, if you're one of those individuals like Orlando, cause I'm sure I'm not the only one that when you get a return, you still relist it, but you're like, I don't even want to look at this item. I'm so annoyed that it's got returning. You just toss it, whatever. Don't do that. Take the time, properly store it. So, cause if it, if it's sold once, it's going to sell again. Anyways, two reasons I share the story. One is the story of me having to find this hat. Two keywords, I think, sold it for more money. And I did, I did add measurements because they said it was too small. And so I ended up putting it was it was a snapback, but I ended up measuring the circumference of the inside. And I said, hey, this this you can wear this if you're up to 22 inches circumference. And somebody bought it. And so there you go. And it's all it's all worn and dirty, but hey, 85 bucks, I'll take it. Right. So that's my hustle of the week. All right. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. 
Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers two five. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Let's get back to our 25 innovations for eBay. Yeah. All right. Here's one that I, I understand where this person came from. Because uh, remember, a lot, of, a lot of these, basically yeah, came all from of them came from yeah. listeners. Uh, but here, I also have maybe a little bit of pushback on it. Um, so make a, uh, make punishment for non-payers equivalent to out-of-stock defect. Now, when we were at eBay Open, we were talking to one of the VPs. Well, let's explain that for a little bit because we have new listeners. No, sure. I mean, I, I w we will. But um, I just <laughs> wanted to mention. So when we were there, we, we were talking to them and we were kind of talking about the idea of customers will uh, return things sometimes and, and maybe the things that returned are damaged or if customers aren't paying or things like that, um, there, there should be something, some way of holding them accountable, right? There should be some way of saying, hey, this customer kind of has a bad reputation for not paying, for doing this. Um, that way they, they are held accountable in the same way that we're held accountable. And so that would be um, a way, a metric of some kind of saying like how we have a rating, that there's like a buyer rating. Right. There's a way to kind of say like, this is a bad buyer um, and they'll just have like a negative attachment to them. Um, and they, they said two things kind of in two different meetings. In one meeting, they basically said at one point they had something similar to that, uh, but they decided that they didn't want to, they didn't want to, to 
rate buyers because if a buyer gets a negative feedback, they're less likely to, to use the program. I mean, can you imagine on Amazon if, I mean, we send stuff back, not all the time, but occasionally we send stuff back. Um, occasionally we cancel orders like, oh, I found it cheaper on another site. So I cancel the order partway through. And I consider myself a great Amazon customer. Like I've been through Amazon for years. I've been paying tons of money. When we call them, they're like, yeah, you, you're a great customer. But I, they tell I, you that, hey, it's Mike, that great customer. Well, I mean, we, we've had a couple of times time. where it's like nothing, our package didn't show up. And they're like, well, yeah. we see you've been an Amazon Prime member and you, you know, you have great, you're a great standing customer. Like, we'll we'll cover this. But can you imagine if after a couple of those, all of a sudden I got an email from Amazon and like, you're now a four-star customer instead of a five-star customer. And, you know, things might be, sellers are going to see, I would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, how dare you? Like, I'm not going to use this program if you're going to treat me like that. So I can see the the idea of like, if customers feel like they are being attacked, they're going to be less likely to use the program. Um, so I, I, I definitely get the validity to that eBay did also say that they had some kind of thing in the works where uh, there was going to be some kind of process in place where um, after a couple of times, they could basically put a customer on like a suspension or like a, a temporary hold. I remember they said that. Yeah. Now, I think, I think again, these that are extreme. That was in a different admin though. Yeah. Well, I, I, and, and too, I think those are like extreme cases and it's kind of like, you know, seller protections as far as that goes. But the problem is, again, like we don't want, we don't want customers because just like there are many crazy customers there's probably a ton of crazy resellers out there and so if you could leave a negative feedback on on buyers, of our listeners if you can leave negative feedback that actually like impacted them um and they had this like basically this the stain on them because they had a seller that was you know maybe being unreasonable they'd be like you know what? i'm not using ebay anymore i'm gonna go to amazon i'm gonna go to mercari where i'm not being treated like this and so we don't want to lose those customers um, but i do think that ebay has some things in place if if there's like a really really bad customer and I'm sure it happens on the back end right if if we call eBay cuz it's like this customer saying this and I'm saying this and they see that I've got great standing with eBay great reviews everything my metrics are amazing and this customer's had multiple complaints against against them I'm sure eBay can see it because when I worked at a call center we kept customer notes like when somebody would call in you know, there was a log of things and there were certain colors we'd use, like this customer's irate. This customer has basically gone off the deep end and you could see, and you were like, oh, here's one of these customers. So you knew how to handle them, the pro past problems you can deal with. So I'm sure eBay knows if it's a, a customer that's basically every other purchase they have is a complaint, um, that eBay is probably going to side with us on the back end, but it's probably an eBay's benefit not to just blatantly put a big red, you know, scarlet letter on that customer um, <laughs> where everybody can see it because that customer is probably not going to want to use eBay anymore, which maybe is a good thing, but but I think that could be overused. I, I just think the penalties is so severe though. Like I think there needs to be little less, I would say, of a penalty. Like I know eBay's argument. eBay's argument is if you have an item, it's not in stock, you will drive potentially a buyer away from buying an item, mm -hmm. right? That's what they told us at that meeting. Because my argument was like, that's really severe. Like, because an out-of-stock defect actually, and, you know, some people question me all the time when I talk about the algorithm, but it will, it will slow down sales. And anytime I've had any kind of out-of-stock, even if I've used language in my messages, like, I'm sorry, this item is no longer available or whatever. Like, I've noticed there's been a dip in sales sometimes for a few hours, sometimes for a couple of days, Especially if I have to hit that cancel out of stock, 
Like it's a problem. That's why some people, <laughs> I'm not going to ever give up names, have messaged me say, Orlando, I just, I just lie. And I just say, you know, buyer asked to cancel the order. I never advocate that. I don't do that myself. And so, and I'm not trying to virtue signal. I'm just saying that's just, I just, I just couldn't do it. Now, I think there needs to be either the equivalent because the non-paying buyer, like it's, it's, it, it's frustrating to a business. We talked about this in the last episode, right? We wish the item could be kept live. We wish that we could still send out offers on that item. Like, because it, it's, it's been taken out of the ability to make that money. Now I'll suggest this along with this right here. Uh, I, I wrote this, this is mine. <laughs> Allow for different options for canceling an order. Like it'd be nice if we had a drop down menu and it could say item didn't meet standards. Right. So, you know, the situation I've shared with my shoes that fell apart in storage, like it'd be nice if I could, by the way, that got fixed. Did I mention that on podcast? It got fixed. So if you were listening to podcasts, I had a pair of shoes that I ended up getting a defect. Uh, just, I had them in stock, but they ended up getting destroyed while in storage because of weather or whatever reason I did call eBay and they took care of it right away, which was very kind. But what I'm, what I'm looking at here is like, sometimes there literally is eBay glitches where stuff ends up being relisted. And I know I'm not crazy. I used to, so before we did the podcast, I would listen to people on YouTube or whatever. And people are like, oh yeah, stuff got relisted or, or stuff fell out of my, you know, out of my listings, even though I list, I know I listed it. It's no longer listed. I used to be like, no, there's no way it's operator error. No, like this stuff happens. So it'd be nice if it wasn't abused, right? Maybe you, you have three strikes, you're out, you can't do it anymore. But you know, if you could put, possible glitch or something to that effect. Maybe, maybe you're only allowed that once. Maybe you're given a courtesy, right. Of, of being given the option of like, Hey, it was an eBay glitch or item didn't, didn't be sent or something because the, to me, the eBay buyer just, the, there's no ramifications, right. At all. Like for now, now they do get a strike, I guess for, but I've never, I mean, you can choose on the options, like people that have more than two strikes can't buy from you. Like you can put that option, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how often that actually happens. Now, the other thing I will say about this is if, if there's, if there's some way, right. That we can no see, but again, you're right. You don't want to, we don't want to put Scarlet eBay letters on people. Right. So, so it's a tough one. I just wish there was a way that we as resellers be given leeway, like, like Reebok. Remember that when there was that glitch on Reebok and you could buy a bunch of Reeboks for like a, a dollar or whatever. And then e Reebok canceled thousands of sales. I'm pretty sure eBay didn't face anything for that. Right. That's just my thought. So, all right. Now I did have a question for you <laughs> related to this direct TV thing and how people have different colors. Do you think that eBay customer service has different colors for sellers that call in? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd imagine any, I mean, information. Or if like, if you're rally roots, it's a rally roots. Yeah. Be careful, you know, cause they're yeah, being No, for sure. It's, and again, like maybe, maybe not if they don't, they're crazy. Um, they should <laughs> because information is power. And um, usually it's, it's not like it, it there may or may not be like, oh, these are VIP sellers, which I know. I mean, they they definitely have that. Like, they're top, top there, there sellers. There would have to be something on there. Right. 
the, the same thing is true of our, the Karens of of their their customers or their their sellers. Who what are is the male it. equivalent? Is it a, is it a Kevin? I don't know. Okay. I, I'm just using that as like you know catch all for for all genders. But okay. you know when those people call in now, whether or not they have them on like a blacklist, but I'm sure that they have notes every time. Uh, it was like a, a an account, right? A customer had an account when I worked at Directv, and anytime we dealt with that account we had the running log of notes. So whenever there was a call, whoever was taking the call was typing just brief notes. And it was always like in code. So, you know, we had shortcuts for everything. So like customer called in was just like a two letter thing that we'd put in or we called customer. And so there's just codes that would go in and and it's basically like a, a, a shorthand for what's going on. And then if there was a lot happening, we'd take longer notes. But you could basically tell by, by just scrolling through like, because how many times have you called eBay? I don't call very often, maybe, maybe once a month. Yeah. Okay. So 12 times a year. And so they're going to be able to see that you're a customer who has this big of a store. They could probably see how much money you're making for them. Right. And here's how many calls you've had. And they probably have like a positive negative. This is a positive call. This is a negative call. Mm. And so if they can see like, holy cow, like the notes on this call are like three paragraphs long and it's like highlighted in red sections. They're going to say like, okay, this might be a customer. Okay, can you please hold while I look into this a little bit more? And they're reading through and they're like, oh my goodness, Orlando's a nut job, right? And then they're like, okay, last time the person said they were able to help them or calm them down by doing this. So I'm going to try and do the same thing. So for sure. Keyword like, to calm Orlando down. No, I mean, so I, I, now again, maybe other people have worked at call centers and they're like, we never did anything like that. So I'm sure every place is different, but if they don't have some kind of a running log on customers, not just like the algorithm part, because they should be able to quickly see like how many, like all the metrics you see, they've got to be able to see and they, they've got to have some kind of like a rating, right? Like, like, have you ever done your own taxes like on TurboTax? And like at the very end, it's like likelihood of, oh, yeah, of yeah. having of a, being audited, of being audited yeah. right? They've got to have something like that, right? Like likelihood, like how your rating of how good of a, a seller Beat you a are. jerk. Right? Like, yeah. are you, are you like, a, a great, like we want to keep this customer because that's what you are. When you're a seller on eBay, you are the eBay's customer. So are you a great customer or are you like a problem customer? And so they have to have some kind of way of telling that. So what I would imagine for things like this, and the reason I, I, I brought that up, and, and I mean, you kind of asked me about it again, but I really do think that there is something that they can do. Like you said, when you called in and you asked for them to fix it and they fixed it. And, and we did talk about like concierge in the last episode, and that could be maybe something people should be able to earn. But I do think that if you are a good upstanding and you've got a great account and you're a great seller, they're going to side with you. Maybe not all the time. And I'm sure people are going to call in and say like, eBay never sides with me. All right. But I don't know. I think more often than not, I hear people say like, yeah, like if, if it's a one-off thing, eBay will probably side with you. Maybe not, but um, it might depend on who you get. But if it's every single time, it seems like they're siding with the customer. Maybe it's because you're the problem, right? Not saying that's the case, but maybe it is at least in eBay's eyes, they're seeing you as the problem and so they're not helping you out. But if they see you as a positive customer who's bringing them a lot of money and not having a lot of these kind of complaints, then I'd imagine that they would take those random defects once a year off for you. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not seeing this complaint. I mean, eBay does a great job. I've had overwhelming experience of eBay taking care of things. Now, the workaround is obviously somebody wants to cancel the order. You can just ignore them and just let it ride and go to the unpaid item assistant. Actually, I had two recently. I didn't ignore them 
but it ended up going to the unpaid item assistant because mine is within two days pretty quick. And they're like, hey, I really wanted to pay for this item. I can't pay for it no more. Can you send me the link? And I'm like, unfortunate. Unfortunately, it's under the unpaid item assistant. I already relisted it. Here's the link. And they actually paid for it. Right. And I had another person that they sent, I think, like we was talking before, five different offers to five different sellers. I accepted it, but I guess somebody with a lower price accepted it. They didn't get back to me until two days later. Like, hey, by the way, I found it cheaper somewhere else. I, I would like to cancel my order. And uh, luckily for me, it was too late. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't cancel it. Now, it was weird because on the other end, on the they got a message from eBay saying that they can't cancel it either. That the I had to cancel it. But on my end, it said, I can't cancel it. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. So, so anyways, okay. So that, that's a workaround. But yeah, it's frustrating. Now, I like this one. This one I thought was interesting because I didn't notice it until I we started being on Instagram. And sometimes I'll post like messages that go between myself and a buyer. And they said, update the buyer seller messaging. Make it easier to see the entire conversation. Right. Do you ever get frustrated with that at all? Yeah. That, yeah. That can be frustrating. Um, even I'm a huge fan of Google, but even Google sometimes can be a little bit awkward to follow threads in a Gmail. Like, whereas like a DM, right? Like on Instagram or like the typical like messenger thing, it's really easy to just follow the whole conversation. Yeah. But when you're constantly maybe having to look like, is it on this thread? Is it on this thread? And I have to open up this thing. And what was the response here? It could, it could definitely be annoying. That could be something that could be cleaned up. Well, and it's, and it's rough. I mean, you, you get it. You know what I would love? Here's what I would love. I'd love if it worked like DMs because sometimes you might have a repeat buyer that's sending you a question. How nice would it be if if it's like a DM, I can see like, oh yeah, they actually bought this Harley or I've had it before. You know, I have repeat buyers and I, like for, I've shared this person before, like if I ever come across a Dr. Pepper hat, they're pretty much always willing to buy it, right? If it's a vintage piece, but sometimes I forget who they are, but it, it'd be nice if, you know, I don't know where I listed one and they DM me. Now I do have systems in place. So I can remember them, but let's say I, I lost it. They DM me like, hey, was wondering, you know, would you be willing to work out a deal with this hat? And I look and I'm like, oh, yeah, they bought like five other Dr. Pepper hats with me. Right. It's one of the things that we've actually let's tie this together in a little bit. <laughs> I think the messaging would be great. I think we're in agreement about that. I don't know if there's a workaround on that. There's no workaround. OK, well, let's tie it into this. And we've shared this before, and I think they told us this would happen. But wouldn't it be nice if we could see if somebody was a repeat buyer? Right. Like when they send you an offer. Right. So let's say there's somebody that you've sold stuff before and then they send you an offer. It'd be nice if I knew as a repeat buyer, because I may give them that offer because I know they're going to keep coming back. But if they're brand new, I might play a little bit more hardball with them. Right. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one? I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's some validity to that. Um, we always talk about trying to keep, you know, especially in our, our books about like negotiating and stuff. Uh, trying to keep clients and things like that. But um, I would I would imagine treat every single customer you have, d do whatever you can to, to make every customer right, transfer to, uh, convert to a sale, right? So I, if I'm willing to give one person a deal, but not another person, I don't know if that's, but I could see if it's like long-term, like this might be somebody who comes back all the time. But if, if you're selling items, you know, you're trying to get the best price for every item. So unless you're selling like, very 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 niche thing and this is like a very unique buyer for this niche and there's not very many of them 
you know, maybe you give them, you know, benefits every once in a while, but I don't know. I'd imagine if you were in that kind of a niche, you would know those buyers. Maybe. I don't know how many repeat buyers I have. Maybe a handful, but you I do only sp- know because on GoDaddy, that bookkeeping, it'll tell me my repeat buyers. Mm. But that's me having to like log in and check every once in a while. Or I'll remember their username. But I think that would be just really, really nice. Because then what you could also do is, hey, by the way, I know you've purchased from me before. I actually have these other items I haven't listed. For example, last year I had somebody that bought a ton of Rain Spooner shirts for me. And now I know who that user is, but let's say they only bought one or two. And then three months later, they bought they bought only one. I could have maybe seen that they're a repeat buyer and gone, hey, by the way, I know you're interested in this shirt and you bought from me before. I have all these other shirts that are unlisted or actually I have these listings. Are you interested in this? I think it, it would convert to more sales. I think it'd be nice. Okay. I want to I want to end on this one. Uh, bulk editing of send offers. Have we, we talked we, about we, that before? We literally started the podcast talking about that one. The bulk editing of send offers? Yeah. This podcast? This one. The one where I wish there was like, we could like set up different tiers. We did not. Maybe maybe you t- named it the wrong thing because we were talking about um, editing send offers at the very beginning, but you didn't talk about tiers. Well, so what I mean is this. So right now, oh man, what if, what if this is what we talked about last podcast and it's on this podcast? No, no, no. I mean... The start of this podcast, we were talking about this. Did I talk about like, it'd be nice if I could set up different tiers. Like if somebody wanted to, like if I wanted to send offers, right. And I could automatically set it to anything that's under a hundred dollars, automatically take off 5% or take off $5. Anything that's between 100 to 150, take off $10 or take off 10% or anything that's above 150, take off $20 or take off 20%. And like, you already have that set up. Cause right now, the only way that you can send offers and, and have it done automatically is, is if you send an offer, there's that box below and then you put, here, I'll pull it up right now. If hopefully I have send offers. Okay. So right now, if I send an offer, uh, it's not on the, it's not on the app. <laughs> so it's only on the desktop. So it'd be nice if, if it was on the app too, but on the desktop, you can put send offer and then on the bottom it says automatically send offer. So it'll send that same offer again. But you can't do that for all your items. You can only do it to items that you sent an offer on and on that one time that you send it. I think maybe the bummer with that, I could see the benefit of, of doing that for an item, but you're you're going to be in different moods, right? Like you talk sometimes about whether or not you take a, an offer. So if it's set up to automatically accept, would it also be set up to automatically decline if it's not at a certain point? Because here's the problem. Let's say you've got something listed for $100 and somebody yeah. comes with a $65 offer and you're like, man, this thing's been sitting for a while. I really want to trigger the algorithm. It's taking up space. Um, maybe I'd let it go for 75. Okay. Right? So or maybe did- you said it, maybe you said it that like if your item is one to 30 days, 5% automatically. If it's 30 to 60, 10%. If it's, you know, 90 to infinity. But, but, if, it, but if it's, if it's sending like a, a counter offer, right? If you're setting where it'll, it'll, are, are you just saying like where it'll accept an offer or no, it'll, it'll send-, send an offer? Now here's the problem though. Imagine somebody comes back and they say, 65 for an item, right? And your thing is set to come off at 5%. And so instead of a hundred, it gives them a $95 offer, right? You might've been willing in that moment to actually take a $65 offer on that item and it automatically declines. But, it they, can, but, they, but they can counter offer you though. Yeah. But you just said yourself in the past episode, Oh yeah, the counter offers almost never work. No, but they work on the other side. So if I counter offer, they don't work. 
But if the buyer counter offers me, it works. So I'll give you an example. Just right now, I sent out an offer for $40 for a shirt. Somebody sent me a counter offer of $25. It's been a slow day. I wanted to move. I accepted the counter offer. Mm. But if somebody sent me an offer of $40, or let's say somebody sent me an offer, Lilo is reverse. They sent me a lower offer of $25. I counter offer with $40. They probably would go away. I'd never see them again. Mm. But if it's me, I'm the one that's wanting to make the sales. I'm going to accept it. So I think counter offers do work for sellers more than they work for buyers. Right. But what I, I just think you think it'd be nice because I've had, I've had recent sales where it did do the automatic send offer. Mm. Right. Because I don't have the time all day. I do try to send offers like every moment I can. As soon as I seen it, I see, it, I send it out. But like today I sold something, it was for $118. And that offer was sent based on an offer that I sent similar two weeks ago. And I said, automatically send this offer and it did it. But I still have another 2,100 items that it's, it's going to prompt me to send the offer instead of just automatically doing it for me. So I think it'd just be nice if that offer availability was there. Like a tier system, whether it be based on you know your price or based on the length of the item, how long you've had in your inventory, or maybe both. I don't know. I just, I, I'm just trying to be efficient and, and not spend my time. So it'd be nice. Yeah. And, and make more sales for eBay which we all make money on that. That's right. So, right, eBay and us, we can all work together. That's right. Make we money. can make money, make plenty of money. Yeah. And with that being said, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Please.